0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: There's no reverting back to 2017. We just have to make sure that everybody does a better job and everybody practices
0: habits that um, lead to championships. We have a lot to fix. Coaches have a lot to fix.
1: Players have a lot to fix. Little things lead to small things.
2: You know, when things go wrong in life, you know what do you have to do? You have to keep fighting. That's it. You can't sit up there and hold your head down. Nobody cares about that. Who cares?
3: Things happen. You get into a wreck. Who cares besides the person that either hit you or
0: you hit them? Nobody else cares in the world. Problems are going to happen. Losses are going to happen. If you hold your head down and you're sulking, you're not helping yourself or the the situation. These guys know, all
2: right, hey, the only thing I can do is go bias to practice and keep on fighting, all right, and prepare myself for the next contest and find ways to get better.
4: I think guys need to remember how to win. When you get those opportunities, good teams have to shut it down. That's what's so frustrating, man, is you can see how good this team can be. There's so many good things that we've done and and things that you see throughout the week and the way we go about our work, but um, it needs to all fall into peace, you know, and I think once we do 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 that, I mean, we can get this thing rolling. And I I hate to sit up here and talk about how we can and do this and do that because we're not. We haven't yet. It's not lip service. I don't want I don't want it to be that, but, I mean, you can see it in this team that, that we have something.
3: And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Wachett, Nate Klaus as Nebraska football 0-2 to start this 2018 season. It was a start that nobody Really saw coming, and you know, everything kind of just changed. I felt like um, they named Andrew, Mar- Adrian Martinez, a starting quarterback. Jebia leaves, they go into the opener, still feeling very confident. Well, they don't get their opener in because of weather, it gets canceled. They play well in a lot of areas, but still goof up, lose to Colorado in an emotional game. But then they do the unthinkable they lose to a Sun Belt team in Troy, and here we are, 0 2 on the season. Lots of adversity, um, and I'll tell you what. When we read the Scott Frost movie script back in December, an 0-2 start was not really uh, what anybody was envisioning out of the gates. Uh, but that's where they're at right now, and, and there is definitely some early adversity this team is facing now as they go on the road, Robin, to face um, arguably the best defense they'll face this year in Michigan.
1: Yeah, no question. This was something no one saw coming, uh, and you know, really, the the Colorado game you could argue, you know, was excusable. It was their first game under a new system, a whole bunch of new guys uh, getting thrown in the fire, and it was going to see how they respond. And arguably, they should have won the game. Troy was inexcusable. I don't care how good Troy has been or how they beat LSU last year. It doesn't matter. You don't let a team... From the Sun Belt Conference, come to Lincoln and not only beat you, but basically control the game. I mean, that was not not a, a ideal start in any sense. Nebraska's self-inflicted mistakes only made it worse because uh, they were their own worst enemy, and they have been the past two weeks. And now you look ahead to Michigan; um, they're 18-point dogs. I've seen that number jump as almost to 19, 20, uh, and so I mean, it's it's not a <laughs> not a good position to be in. Uh, and the idea that things are going to get solved anytime soon doesn't look very good.
4: Yeah, I'll take the what-if game one step further. You know, if if you get that Akron game in, uh, I I think they probably win that game, and then uh, you know the Colorado game may not be quite as tight. You you get some of those those uh, you know those 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 kinks worked out, and then um, you know since that game may not be quite as tight, Adrian Martinez may not get hurt in that situation. And then you have him for Troy and you probably win that game. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about all the, just the, the minute, little, just the degrees
2: of
3: separation. Yeah, I,
4: mean, it, it, I think that this team very well could be three and O uh, but but here here we are. They're they're 0 and 2, and and obviously still have a lot of things to work on. Um, you know, and, and things that you would have liked to have seen getting ironed out before they go on the road to the big house.
3: This almost reminds me somewhat of 2008. You know, you look at that season. It ended up being a good finish, but they got off to a, a bad start in year one of Bo Pelini. They lost to Virginia Tech and. A game that they could have won, but you know Frank Beamer came in and put on a clinic of special teams like he always did back then, and then they lose to a very good Missouri team at Memorial Stadium. But then the next week, they go on the road. They're huge underdogs to a Michael Crabtree, Mike Leach-led Texas Tech team in Lubbock. Nobody in a million years gave Nebraska a prayer. I mean, I want to say it was close to an 18-point line. They went in there, and they played their tails off, and uh, they, they almost won that game. It went to overtime. Um, and they probably should have won it. Zach Potter blocked an extra point. All Nebraska had to do at that point was score a touchdown, kick the PAT in overtime, and win the game, and they, they lost. But that game, I think, set the tone for the rest of the year, and I think Nebraska's got to look at this Michigan game kind of like that Texas Tech game in 08 where nobody in a million years is picking Nebraska to win. But can they go out there and swing and put up a fight and see what happens? Um, and what difference will Adrian Martinez make this week? I think he's going to make a big difference. Um, what's that going to be worth? And and how good is Michigan really? They lost to Notre Dame. Um, I know just talking to um, Chris Ballas from the Wolverine.com there's still a lot of questions. That SMU win was not impressive for Michigan last week. Their offensive line remains a question. The defense has not lived up to overall expectations. Um, Their offense in general, and as far as the productivity has not been as consistent. So this is a tough challenge, but I think a game that Nebraska can come in and at least come out swinging and I think make it much more interesting than anyone thinks.
1: Come out swinging is a pretty good analogy because according to Ryan Held, the running backs coach, Nebraska is Rocky Balboa this week, and Michigan is a Von Drago, and this is Rocky Four going in in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, that's the mentality they have to take. Uh, you know, it's you laid it out. No one is giving Nebraska a chance. I think you go to any like fan predictions. I think Michigan's like a ninety-some plus percent favorite to win this thing. You know, I mean, Nebraska. Uh, they look. People look at the zero and two start. They look at the losses, and they say this isn't a good football team. I think anybody that has watched those games know that Nebraska is significantly better than their record, and a lot of that depends on if Adrian Martinez plays. If he plays, Nebraska beats Troy. Uh, I have no question in my mind. And if he, if played, he doesn't get here,
3: he Colorado. They beat Colorado. Yeah, if he probably. finishes
1: the Colorado game, they beat they probably beat Colorado and then uh so we'll we have our waiting still official word on his status this week with Michigan but I think all of us agree he's gonna play oh no they have to play him because if they he doesn't play they do not stand a chance I don't care how much you know rah rah stuff you want to say all week Andrew Bunch is fine but he's not going to go to the big house and beat Michigan Michigan's defense is too good they create too much pressure on the quarterback for a guy to go into that situation and expect to be successful so um Getting Adrian Martinez back gives them a chance, but they're going to need to do a lot of things a whole lot better than they have been the last two weeks.
4: Yeah, without Martinez, I think this game could get pretty ugly. But I fully expect him to play. Um, and, and for Nebraska, I mean, I feel like it's it's um, you know them needing to get out of their own way uh, more so than than kind of trying to stop anything that Michigan's going to do. Obviously, their defense is legit, but their offense, um, you know, is still very suspect in my opinion. Um, you know you, you saw that the Notre Dame game I think a lot of people watch that and, and just how good is Notre Dame really I mean Vanderbilt took them down to the wire last week um, and, and I don't think anyone really predicted Vandy to be any type of um, you know great team necessarily this this year so uh, I mean this is still a, a winnable game but you have to take get out of your own way you know and, and not give them anything um, you know so that means no turnovers no stupid penalties uh, none of that this weekend
3: you're listening here to the Husker online show here as we wrap up our opening thoughts um, going into this game yeah it's just been interesting to to see scott frost face adversity so early on i mean everything he did he could do no wrong and, and now you know within a couple of weeks of his tenure coaching games um, just this adversity he's had to face um i think he's handled it well though i really do i know um, there's coaches around the country in their first year like willie taggart at florida state he's not handling it very well chip kelly at ucla being heavily criticized for the bruins start He's really not handling it well i think scott frost has come out at robin um and, and he's done a pretty good job with it
1: yeah i mean keep in mind when he got here he was essentially walking on water i mean the guy literally could do no wrong There was you had to go back years ago but for the time he actually lost something and so this has been a bit of a humbling experience i think not only for him but for this coaching staff. And they've kind of had to go back to their roots a little bit these last couple weeks, and I think that'll be a good thing not only for them but for their players uh, to dig this out of this thing and turn the season around.
3: Well, we're going to get you ready for Saturday's game at Michigan. Both Robin and I will be out there. Nate's actually going to be on the road um, checking out high school football all weekend around the country for us uh, with different Husker recruits, so we'll talk more about that later in the show. But uh, when we come back, we're going to address the offense, the storylines to watch here going into Saturday's game at Michigan. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your
0: authority on Nebraska athletics. He's making progress. He he looks better and better every day, and so uh, we'll see. Come Saturday, what what his status is, how he's feeling. You know, we're gonna make the best uh, decision with the, with the team in mind and, and and our future in mind. And so uh, we'll see where that goes. But he's uh, he's making progress each day.
2: Agent looks really good today. I saw him Saw uh, him pull it on the zone read and like that. He's moving. He's doing a lot better. I think he'll be good. We know we just got to see. Oh, you know how he feels come game day. I don't really know exactly does, but he's he's looking good.
0: Yeah, we, we want to make sure he's healthy. We want to make sure he's. Close to 100. Uh, percent We're going against a good defense. They fly around. They're physical, and so we, want, we we're not going to put him in any any harm or any danger. And so uh, and he's got to be able to uh, to make all the throws and all the runs and, and things of that nature. And so we'll just we'll take our time and make sure that he's he's healthy and he gives us the best chance to win.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Troy Walters trying to keep the worst kept secret in the world that Adrian Martinez is going to play in this game. At least we all think that at this point, but they are playing it close to the vest. No. Official decision uh, really has been made, or at least after Wednesday's practice. But, um, you know, all signs continue to go that direction as Nebraska gets uh, ready to travel to Michigan. The segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. Get into any one of the five Omaha locations or the one here in Lincoln uh, to watch Saturday's Nebraska-Michigan game, 11 a.m. kick Uh, tanners will have you covered with all the tvs all the wings beer um, and other things They you're gonna have a kid's menu it's kid friendly so a great place to get in and and watch the college football action starting with the husker game saturday at tanners at 11 a.m central time well guys um as you you analyze the situation more with the quarterback race i mean there's there's nothing that tells us that adrian martinez is not going to play he's going to play in this game and I honestly think he could have played last week, and I expect him to be as close to 100% as he looked in Colorado.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think they tried to play it safe against Troy, thinking that they could win without him with Andrew Bunch, that the offensive line was going to be good enough, the running game was going to be good enough, the defense and special teams were going to be good enough uh, to, to go ahead and just get get out of there with a win, give Martinez another week to feel get better uh, going into conference play. I think that was the plan all along. And clearly it backfired on them because none of those things were good enough and they left too much responsibility on Andrew Bunch and it completely blew up on their face. So um, they have no choice but to play Adrian Martinez. If they want to have any chance to win this game on Saturday, they need number two running the show. Um, He is far and away their best chance at winning not only this game but for the rest of the season. And so um, you you can't mess around with this anymore. Um, They've given him plenty of time. Uh, to to get back to as close to 100% as possible. And I'm with you, Sean. I think it's kind of a no-brainer right now. And uh, really anything as far as injuries or depth chart or, you know, rotation or any of that stuff, you got to take with a grain of salt this week because, you know, it's Michigan. And Michigan is notorious for keeping all that stuff secret on their end. And so Nebraska, for the first time this year, didn't even issue a depth chart on Monday in their game notes uh, specifically because Michigan does. And middle. that
3: might go back to 2016 when this staff played in Michigan. I'm sure. Might be. Back then in 2016, Jim There's Harbaugh. There's a lot
1: of schools that do that when they play Michigan. They do it for every other Colorado.
3: School. Colorado, uh, our friend Dave uh, Pilotti, mm-hmm. uh, who had his own little – Press box uh, outburst on in the Nebraska game, but he, he put out like a funny depth chart for Colorado of just like cartoon characters yeah. when they played Michigan a couple of years ago.
1: So it's kind of just a, a shot back at Michigan. So, uh, again, just because they're saying that, you know, there's Martinez's status up in the air, and game-time decision, you can read between the lines pretty easily that he is going to play and he's going to play a lot.
4: Well, I think the most telling thing to me in regards to Martinez and his situation or his status is – was uh, post-game last week when Scott Frost said that, well, he actually went through warm-ups and, and actually looked pretty good, and so, you know, if he if he went through warm-ups last week and, and actually looked good at that point in time, you had to figure that, that he was going to practice all week long and that he was going to be the guy that they got ready to go for this Saturday.
3: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus. This segment of the show was brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill in Omaha and Lincoln. and. Now let's talk running back. Um, they continue to go by a three-man committee um, each week. Divino, Zigbo, Greg Bell, Maurice Washington. Uh, Maurice Washington has gotten the fewest carries of the trio, uh, but you obviously can make a case. He's been the most impressive through the first three games Um, Over half of his yards have come after contact. He's made more guys miss in the open field. He currently has six runs right now of 10 yards or more, which leads the team. It's as many as Greg Bell and Divino Zigbo have combined. Um, So everything about Maurice Washington on paper said he's been Nebraska's best running back at this point. But I think, Robin, the bigger question is, is he ready for a big-time challenge, a team that's going to have legitimate NFL guys coming at him? Can he pass protect? all the bouncing outside stuff, and they've talked about this at practice Wednesday, that won't work against Michigan. Um, He's going to have to take it up inside and run it inside more. Um, So this will be a whole different kind of challenge for the young Maurice Washington.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And he's still a guy that is getting his feet wet in this whole college football deal. I mean, he's been here for about a month and a half and you know, is basically starting from scratch with the strength conditioning and learning the system and and all that stuff that everybody else in his class got months of a head start on him. So uh, for him to be at this point just through two games is pretty impressive obviously leading the team with 92 yards last week Uh, but things are about to kick up in a big way for him so We'll see if he's able to be as effective um, going forward. But a note on him, I know a lot of fans were concerned about his status in that game because TV cameras were Practice showing, all him, week. Yeah, showing him kind of grimacing, looking in a lot of pain. But uh, Ryan Held, the running back coach, said that he is perfectly fine uh, for this week. He will, will play against Michigan and he's practiced all week, so no worries there. But um, I think that he's still going to be part of a heavy rotation in that backfield. It's going to go game to game, situation by situation, between Greg Bell, Washington, and Devine Zigbo.
4: Yeah, even though he's arguably been the most uh, productive or he has been the most productive, I, I still think that um, they're going to have to be careful with how much, how many carries they give him just because he hasn't been through the strength conditioning. He's not physically ready, I don't think, to to take that pounding. Almost kind of like a, a young pitcher, you know, that that you kind of have a pitch count on almost. You, I think you have to, to be careful with exactly how much you, you're running him. Uh, plus, I, I think this weekend, you know, the with the style of game that you're going to have, I think this would be a good week for Divino Zigbo to to uh, to kind of announce his presence and, and maybe see a little bit more He didn't look very good last no, week. No, did not look good last week, but he looked good against Colorado. So you know, hopefully, if you're Nebraska, you 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 see the Divine Zigbo that played against Colorado this week because I do think that uh, his his physical style of running would be you know conducive for Nebraska in this in this particular game.
3: All right, let's talk offensive line, particularly rotation, and I'm sure somewhere Mike Cavanaugh is laughing as we're about two weeks in and already Greg Austin's getting the. Uh, are you going to rotate more guys on the offensive line question the the uh, the question that Mike Cavanaugh got for 3 years and I mean you could, you could always see his gear spinning and that's somewhat debatable right now you know Troy Walter said we'd like to see more guys play on the o line but Greg Austin was very noncommittal about that a lot of it depends on the flow of the game i mean they're not going to just put guys that have never played in a college game against chase winovich and Rashawn gary just so they could develop guys this week this is a completely different kind of game um i don't see it going any deeper robin than the top six with bo wilson being that sixth guy i just don't think you can afford to against michigan uh you know go in there and play around with different offensive line groupings when you know what you're going against and the potential of an injury to adrian martinez
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that Obviously, an ideal world, they can get more guys in and create more depth because uh, that—that's been an issue with this offensive line. The first two games is just their conditioning. Um, you know, going back to the start of the off season, uh, this coaching staff pointed to the offensive line for a reason as the most important group that needed to make the biggest jump with their strength and conditioning uh, over the course of the off season. And while they did make a lot of progress they clearly still have a lot of ways to go. Um, And we've seen that, you know, with they start off drives hot and then the tempo gets going and they wear down. Once they get into the red zone, they're not getting that same fire off the ball and fatigue is clearly becoming an issue. And so obviously you want to stick with the guys you can trust, but if those guys are not performing at a high enough level to where it's, you know, killing your offense uh, you sometimes you got to turn, turn to some other people to help pick it up. So, who that depth is that remains to be seen you know i think like i said walter's plan to play more guys is great in theory but i think greg austin was a little more realistic about the situation that you know it's all going to depend on the game um you know and how we're doing with that front line to see if anybody else gets in
3: all right we come back we're going to shift over to the defense as nebraska will face a whole different challenge this week as michigan's going to come at them with tight ends fullbacks and a downhill running attack uh Kind of a staple of Jim Harbaugh in Michigan since he's been there. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska
0: athletics.
2: It's a front seven game. We gotta bring it. We brought it Col- Colorado and we gotta bring it now. We gotta bring it. It's front seven game and we just gotta um, hit them in the mouth. We gotta play black shirt football. Uh, it's a great game for linebackers and it's a great uh, game for D linemen. So that's what you play for. you playing in the, um, the the biggest stadium in uh, college football uh, and our fans travel well,
3: so I know it's gonna be high capacity. That's what you play for. You play for the, to be in this stage. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa, and Nate Klaus. That was last week's ejected linebacker, Mohamed Barry, on just what it's going to take this week. He said it's going to be a front seven game as Nebraska tries to match up with this Michigan Wolverine offense and the tight ends and what they want to do. And really, they're, they're throwing the ball, Robin, less than 20 times a game. Shea Patterson, though, is... Kind of a gamer he's not gonna do anything by the textbook he's a throw off the back foot kind of run around type guy at times and you got to give Jim Harbaugh credit. He's been able to blend what he does with what Shea Patterson does. I think that was one of the big questions. Uh, but Shea Patterson also has some very good receivers, led by Donovan Peoples Jones, a four or five star recruit that actually visited Nebraska. Um, after it, I interviewed him on his trip, after that, at the Lincoln Airport, and I can tell you, I don't know if he really wanted to be in Lincoln, but he came on the visit. Um, he had three touchdown catches last week against SMU in their win from Shea Patterson. So. They're gonna have their work cut out for him, but I think Robin having Muhammad Barry back is going to make a difference. You felt when he left the game, you noticed his presence not being on the field right away.
1: Well, he's arguably their best defensive player. I mean, or at least has been through the first one and a half games, I guess that he played. And so, not having him out there, especially against a team that you know has the quickness and you know the, the style of offense that Troy had, I thought was a big disadvantage. And Will Honest did all right. I mean, I thought he played pretty well, being you know thrown into missed it. a lot of holes though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah.
3: his grade out on pro focus, but I know, I mean, just in general, like the big runs that happen, the two or three real big ones, they came right up on him where he kind of misread the yeah. the situation. And I
1: wonder how much of that is just inexperience. But either way, uh, yeah, there's no question not having Barry out there changed the dynamic of that defense, and um, he's going to be an integral part into you know stopping this Michigan team, especially. With the dual threat ability of shea patterson you mentioned patterson's numbers kind of being uh pedestrian at this point he hasn't thrown the ball a whole lot but when he has he's been extremely efficient he's completing 70.8 percent of his passes 9.1 yards per attempt and is a uh, second in the big 10 right now in pass efficiency rating at 171.2 so uh, when he has thrown he's been very very good particularly with their deep shots downfield uh the style of offense they run uh, you know, obviously they, they bring defenses in with their running game and then they take their shots with big plays off play action. And so uh, they're a, a heavy bootleg team. And so one of the reading some of the stories out of Michigan this week, one of the criticisms has been uh, Jim Harbaugh kind of keeping a leash on Patterson and not letting him just kind of go out there and play to his full potential. You have to wonder if maybe that was part of the design, that they were going to hold him back a little bit until the start of conference play. So Nebraska might be that first test of you know letting Patterson go a little bit and using that dual threat ability for a guy that was the number one ranked dual threat quarterback coming out of the 2016 and class. And
3: here's a few numbers here, Nate, on Patterson. He's 10 of 14 from 10 yards or 20, 10, 10 to 20 yards passing. He's very efficient, obviously, from the short passes. But his deep ball, as Robin mentioned, he's uh, 5 of 8, on balls, 20 yards or further, uh, two of them went for touchdowns. So two of his five deep shots have gone for scores.
4: Yeah, and that, that's that play action right there. Um, and Robin mentioned the bootleg, too. I mean, that's those are two things that uh, you just don't see a whole lot of anymore. That The pro-style type of offenses, uh, you know, defenses are not – uh, you know facing quarterbacks that are under center that are with fullbacks yeah with fullbacks and, and that are doing you know bootlegs and, and what's play, a fullback Yeah, <laughs> play action I mean uh, so this is a totally different type of game especially I think for that front seven which has kind of been the buzzword all week long is you know front seven game this and that and you know Barrett Rude said well you know I'd like to think every game is a front seven game so uh, he, he kind of tried to to shut some of that talk down but um, you know this is it is going to be a different game compared to what this defense has seen the first two weeks there there's not going to be you know a a ton of you know spread and and uh and even though shea patterson can run he hasn't run a whole lot so far you know barrett rude said too he, he said uh, yeah, he's an athletic guy, but I still think that his arm is his best asset, at least from what they've seen on film so far. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, you know, just how much variation there is going to be in this offense uh, compared to what they've done so far.
1: Yeah, there's no question, though, they're going to try and run the ball first and foremost, and it should be noted that uh, their top two running backs, Karan Higdon and Chris Evans, are expected to play on Saturday. You know, There's questions about them with injuries, but um, as of Wednesday, those guys have both been essentially given the green light Uh, to play on Saturday.
3: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa, and Nate Klaus as we talk defensive storylines for Nebraska going into Michigan. And, you know, the rotation of the defense, we've seen them play 23 guys on defense, not special teams, but just defensive players on defensive snaps each of the last two games. This will be a different kind of game. It's not going to be a no-huddle and up-tempo. Snaps are going to be probably cut down by a good number from what maybe we've seen at times um, in in terms of the pace of a game. Now, special teams, touchdowns, and other things that have happened have probably eliminated snaps anyway from the defense, especially last week. But do you think this week we'll see less rotating? I mean, I feel like on the defensive line, they've been going awfully deep on that bench to play more and more guys. I just can't imagine too many scenarios we're going to give – A lot of those guys as many snaps maybe as you did last week
1: well I know at the nose tackle position a lot of the reason why Damian Daniels and Peyton Newell played as much as they did was because Mick Stoltenberg was having knee issues he actually had to have his knee drained uh, after the game according to uh, Mike Dawson the defensive line coach so uh, his status might just force them to have to rotate heavily at that position given the inexperience that's behind him so um, again I think that The number of plays will kind of lend itself to not having to rotate as much, but this is a staff that I think wants to rotate. So if they have the opportunity to get fresh bodies in there, particularly in the front seven, where it's going to take a a lot of physical toll over the course of that game, uh, they're going to do it. And so um, it's definitely going to be, you know, going back to slowing the game down, the the less amount of plays. This is where those self inflicting mistakes cannot continue Uh, you cannot commit penalties on third down to extend drives you cannot drop interceptions you cannot have special teams breakdowns and commit penalties to give yourself terrible field position Uh, these are the things that um, really are as big of a reason as any why nebraska is 0-2 and against a team like michigan that does not make many mistakes if at all uh, you cannot be your own worst enemy
4: yeah even though the the snaps are not going to be quite as high i still feel like the staff is all in on on rotating guys and and especially up front you know I think if when you look at the Michigan offense, if there's one area where you can make a little, hay, I think it's against that offensive line. They have not been very good so far in, And conversely, Nebraska's defensive line, for the most part, has has played pretty well, Um, and and they've like like you mentioned, Robin, they've played a lot of guys up front there too. And and I think for the most part, um, you know, all all those guys that they've been rotating in and out have have performed fairly well. And and so, uh, if there's one area where you you might give Nebraska a little bit of an advantage or say, hey, um, you know, they've got a shot to to -hmm. at least be disruptive, I think it is up front along that line. So you might want to keep those guys fresh and and see if you can't wear down that O-line.
3: And as far as black shirts go, one more handed out this week, so now eight on the year, Robin. Aaron Williams was given one. Um, He has overtaken Antonio Reed. Uh, That was a pretty quick hook they had on Antonio Reed, but I think we were all surprised that Aaron Williams was so far out of the conversation. Now he's back in that clearly.
1: Well, a lot of it had to do with just him not being able to play football basically until the final week of fall camp. I mean, he wasn't cleared to put pads on and go through full tackling until just before the start of the season. So uh, he has made quick progress in catching right back up and uh, supplanting Antonio Reed as the number one. It's not a co-number one. He is the number one safety. Uh, Trey Neal,
3: it's kind of surprising he doesn't have one. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm wondering what's behind that. Because
3: he is, I mean – you can argue that he's been as impressive consistently than any guy. The fourth down breakup he made was one of the better secondary plays we've seen a guy make all year. Now Aaron Williams has come up and made some big tackles, uh, but I, I still would say Trey Neal has played the best. I think it's all about perception
4: that they don't want to yes make political it look like yeah. I think it, uh, they don't want to make it look like new guys. They're
3: handing the
4: new guy that came from UCF over but, the
1: three-year starter exactly. senior. Exactly. Yeah.
4: To me, I, I think it's all perception. They've probably pulled Trey Neal aside and say, "Hey, look." Uh, in our mind, you, you, you're playing at that level. You're but the just, best defensive back yeah, we have. Yeah. But don't, don't be upset be about patient. this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guarantee you that that has at least something to do with I it. I agree.
3: All right, when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. Husker Online intern Mike Wheeler is in the studio. He'll join us next with all your questions. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: I take a lot of pride in it. I take it very personally, and I think our players know that, and I think our players are starting to take it personally. It's as personal to me as anything. It's personal to everybody on the staff that works in special teams. Maybe me the most of all because I'm in charge of it. So, yeah, I I internalize. Anytime we're not performing well on special teams, trust me, it bothers me. I don't get to sleep very much. And welcome back here to the Husker Alliance show. That was Javon DeWitt just expressing his frustration with Nebraska special teams. Does anyone think that Javon DeWitt sounds like Dwayne the Rock Johnson a little bit? (laughs)
4: Now that you mention it, yeah, there's a little bit of similarity. I watch
3: Ballers on HBO, and (laughs) I'm like, God, he sounds just like the Rock Johnson. But anyway, we got the mailbag, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and pleased to bring in Husker Online intern, Elkhorn native, UNL student Mike Wheeler. Mike, what do you have for us this week?
2: Um, all right, so I think this is something that everyone is going to kind of be questioning here, uh, but how does Michigan special teams compare to Nebraska's, and can we expect NU to take a step forward in the special teams area this week?
3: Well, I think there's one player right away, Donovan Peoples-Jones, that's regarded as the difference maker in this game. And until Tyjon Lindsay and J.D. Spielman show more, um, you know, Michigan's going to have the significant advantage on paper in the return game because – other than, you know, a couple of returns from Spielman, his freshman or last year, we haven't really seen him do much. And Ty John Lindsay at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not the punt return guy at Michigan this week, Robin.
1: Yeah, and they got to do something because uh, special teams has been a complete non-factor and almost a detriment, as we talked about. So, uh, It's hard to find a team Nebraska is going to play the rest of the year right now that doesn't have better special teams in Nebraska. And so some personnel changes need to happen. Uh, You know, Sean, you wrote about uh, some potential starters on both sides of the ball, volunteering. Tyron Ferguson, Luke Gifford, Stanley Morgan. Guys guys are saying, look, I know that I'm a key part of, you know, whatever side of the ball, but we see what's going on with special teams and we want to help. So. I would expect to see some, some changes uh, just with, you know, some key positions on the and coverage units uh, to ho- hopefully address some of those, you know, breakdowns that have happened. That punt return against Troy, would you say there were six missed tackles on the touchdown? That's unbelievable. And, you know, do, and a couple he, other guys loafing, loafing on top around. of that. I mean, that's that's inexcusable. And so they have to do something uh, because if they don't fix those special teams, they're not going to do well at all for, for the rest of the year.
4: Yeah, Peoples-Jones is the guy for Michigan that you've got to – I mean, you have to get a hat on him, several hats on him. Uh, He's big, though. Yeah, well, and he is a big dude. He'll he'll break an arm tackle. Yeah, so, yeah, he's going to break arm tackles. As far as Nebraska goes, I mean, I feel like Spielman – was so close to breaking a couple of kick returns, kickoff returns last week, but then all of a sudden he would he would make a cut and like almost run right into a dude. So it was I don't know if his his vision isn't quite there or what, um, or if there's guys that are missing their blocking assignments or what. But uh, yeah, that's definitely a, f- a factor of this game that has to get cleaned up if they're going to go into Ann Arbor and get a win.
2: All right, so we'll move over to the offensive side of the ball. Why are we not seeing any wide receiver rotation after hearing about all of the great depth?
3: That is a great question um, because, honestly, it's been four or five guys, uh, Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman, Tyjon Lindsay, Brian Reimers, um, and then I'm missing Mike, Mo- Williams. Mike Williams, that five. And then you saw Andre Hunt. Now, I, I, I don't have record of Jerron Woodyard taking a receiver stamp. Michael Sevier on Big Red Wrap-Up this week thought he said it, saw him out there once, but I don't have a record of him being out there for I don't any recall. place.
1: No, if he was, he didn't do anything. So. Um, and it, as far as I know, he's
3: not on the participation charts uh, on Huskers.com. So, yeah, it's really been that. And they put Andre Hunt in, and he gets a huge holding penalty on his first play. Mike Williams, uh, a lot of it's blocking, guys. Uh, the perimeter blocking is so big in this Chip Kelly-style offense and that's why Brian Reimers got the start last week, I believe, over Mike Williams.
1: Yeah, and they have to go deeper into that rotation. And um, on Wednesday, Troy Walters said that, you know, they're basically he cha- issued a challenge to that receiving core uh, that, you know, we know who our top two guys are, but essentially the starting at number three, four, five, six, all those spots are wide open for grabs right now. And uh, he pointed to Jerron Woodyard, Andre Hunt, and uh, Javon McQuitty, too, as guys that have stepped up and had good yeah, practices. Woody's a name week.
3: we haven't heard in he months. He was the
1: star of the spring. I expected him to have a big role That's this year, so and not. he hasn't even played. So, uh, I mean, there's plenty of opportunity. It's wide open after those first two. And, um, and one of the things that Walters pointed to at the end of that Troy game, they relied so heavily on Morgan and Spielman. That those guys were just worn down at the end of the game and they weren't getting the separation. Uh, they weren't getting off coverages to, to help that passing game and that's why the offense kind of fell into a shell a little bit. And so they, they need more of that depth that we talked all offseason about how it was such a strength um, in that receiving core. They need to finally step up and show its face.
4: And I still think when when you get down, like Nebraska has the past couple of weeks, that throws your rotations off. Even though, yeah, if you're down, you, you'd think that you'd be, become more pass happy but um, I think that the coaching staff becomes a little bit more reluctant to put some players out there that they may not trust as much as their top two or three guys. So you maybe aren't going to see that rotation of six or seven, like we've been thinking that we are going to see.
3: You're listening here to the Husker online show. We're taking your questions in the mailbag with Husker online intern, Mike Wheeler.
2: Uh, So Bob Welton was Frost's immediate choice for that recruiting uh, coordinator role before Nick Saban in Alabama kind of swiped him up from us. So uh, one, do you think uh, if we had him now we'd be do uh, the team would be doing better in recruiting? and two do you think Frost revisits that position this offseason
3: I don't think so um I think Bob as this staff would say was still getting his sea legs under him Nate when you kind of looked at kind of where he was he was just learning the lay of the land and, and, and whatnot I think the recruiting's doing just fine right now I mean I don't have any issues or problems with what this staff has done they clean sweep the in-state they're getting guys from the JUCOs that they should be building this class with and they're still in on a lot of other guys
4: yeah, I, there's there's no reason to panic recruiting wise right now. I think they're doing fairly well, um, and there's still a lot of guys on on the hook uh, that that are still on the board that they're they're very much involved with. As far as Walton goes, you know, he was not here. All that long. I mean, I, I don't think that you can About really two months. S- yeah, two months. So, and like you said, he was still very much just kind of learning things and kind of getting the lay of the land. So, I don't know if you can really quantify, you know, what his loss meant for Nebraska. And um, in, in I, I don't know that you can necessarily say that Nebraska would be doing all that much better than they are right now. I think that uh, going forward, that's not going to be a position that they try to go out and, and and find. I think that they're kind of happy with the way the, the responsibilities have been. I think out. they
3: realized they didn't need the position. after they had the position I mean, that was one takeaway that they, like we have the right type of guys to run and manage yep. this and we don't necessarily need kind of a czar over the top of all of it um and it, it, bob was a great guy though we we definitely uh miss him and you know enjoyed a little bit of time we had with him all right so sticking with the theme of
2: recruiting how many garden city guys do you think make an official visit with uh, mills
4: uh, I think there could be at least uh, three guys, Mills, and maybe two others. Um, you know, who knows? Or maybe there could be a couple other than that. But uh, there's no question that Nebraska has a very good relationship with uh, with Jeff Sims, who's the head coach at Garden City. Obviously, they already have a commitment from their running back, Dedrick Mills. Um, you know, Olus, uh, Bamadeli Olaseni, the, the big time Juco offensive tackle, 6'8", 340 pound dude, uh, uh, is, is a guy that they're very, very high on. And then there's a couple others, you know, Kadim Kadim Telfort is, uh, is another offensive lineman that they're looking at. Uh, and, and they have, you know, an outside linebacker and, and a couple of other playmakers uh, that, that Nebraska is, is still kind of showing some interest in, but they haven't necessarily offered.
3: All right, we got time, Mike, for one last question here in the mailbag. What do you have? All right, so I'm going to be heading with you guys to
2: uh, Chicago up in Northwestern, or e- Evanston, really. But uh, now that you guys can have kind of had a couple of years to visit around everywhere, which Big Ten road city is your favorite to kind of bar hop around or visit?
3: For the record, Robin and I have been on every single Big Ten road trip. We've been to every stadium but Maryland, and we'll get to take in our 13th and final, if you count Nebraska, 14th and final Big Ten stadium uh, next season. I would say Wisconsin's my favorite, Um, just the layout of downtown Madison, the restaurants, the different beer selections offered in the state of Wisconsin. That's far and away my number one. Um, I don't know if there's like an underdog or kind of under the radar for me, but Wisconsin's without a doubt, my favorite of all. I always have fun at Michigan state too. That'd be kind of like my number two, but we do stay in a hotel always where you can walk to the bars, you can walk to the stadium, you can walk everywhere. And we're kind of in the heart of the college district, so that's always been fun going to East Lansing.
1: Yeah, and you know Northwestern's up there. I, I agree. Wisconsin's my number one. Now, Northwestern
3: well. for downtown Evanston or Northwestern for Chicago.
1: Evanston is sneaky fun. Uh, I, I like Evanston a lot because it's it's smaller than Chicago. It's got, got know, the pizza places it's too. Cheaper.
3: It's got Lou Malnati's yep. and Giordano's. Yeah,
1: it's got all those places and some you know good local places too. A couple so. of good steakhouses. A couple exactly. good bars. And then obviously you have the option of taking the train or whatever into Chicago. So I mean, there's there's a lot of versatility and a lot of options in Evanston. Many. Minneapolis, obviously Minnesota. Um, that stadium is awesome. That's one of my favorite stadiums in the in the conference. And then you know, obviously Minneapolis is Minneapolis. Uh, but yeah, Wisconsin's number one. In fact, it's funny you mentioned this. Uh, the Chicago Tribune just put out a list of their top te- ranking the Big Ten road fan environments, and uh, Penn State came in number one. Which really shocked me because it's hard to get to. Uh, there's nothing around the stadium. It's a small town with not a lot of things to do. And, you know, people that have been there, you know, especially anyone who's at the O2 Nebraska game, had some pretty bad experiences there.
3: Rutgers was probably one of the more interesting or unique ones. Yeah. Um, New Brunswick is kind of where you go because um, that, that's like where the area is at. But Robin and I went to the brass rail of. Rutgers campus and we got the full Jersey Shore experience at least
1: yeah and so Rutgers on my list Rutgers came in second to last Maryland came in dead last so our, our final bucket list game that's what we have now. To we never got to.
3: to really see Indiana I'm disappointed in that but we couldn't get a hotel right. in Bloomington that was reasonable so we stayed in Indianapolis and oh darn we had to eat dinner at St. Elmo's instead I've
1: heard Bloomington is fun
4: oh darn St. <laughs>
3: Elmo's shoot yeah I've
4: not been to any Big Ten venue other than Memorial Stadium
1: one of these days. So, poo-hoo.
3: All right. Well, that wraps it up for this week's edition of The Mailbag. We're going to close the show with recruiting. That's next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It really it comes down to weekly preparation, him taking care of his body, getting to bed, learning how to be a student-athlete. Getting in the cold plunge to get your legs back, Uh, you know all those things because he didn't have summer training, so he's gonna he's behind the eight ball a little bit on that end. So just you know really having a great week of preparation, but but taking care of your body, getting the rest, so then you're fresh on Saturday. Uh, I want to see him be able to press it a little bit more at times, you know on some runs like the one where he ended up uh, bouncing it. All right, we just gotta press it up in there. There was a collision between the tight end and the defensive end, trusting that that guy's gonna get the block and not get spooked. But he's doing a lot of good things. He's got to continually just keep learning the offense just like all our guys have to keep doing it because we're going to have a tweak here a tweak there and we got to be able to go out and execute it
3: final segment here of the Husker online show Sean Callahan Nate Klaus we'll talk recruiting here but I want to talk a little bit about freshman guys here first Nate particularly Maurice Washington you just heard running backs coach Ryan Held uh, breaking down kind of what Maurice Washington needs to do maybe to take that next step and I'll be honest I knew he was good Nate I didn't know he was that good he's just got a natural instinct to him where He's out there just running on natural instincts and ability. He hasn't lifted a weight. He really hasn't you know, trained and had the nutrition that you're going to get at Nebraska. And he's making it look fairly easy right now. And I think it's a matter of just keeping him kind of on the straight path. And the sky's the limit for that guy.
4: Yeah, it really is. I mean, we're, we're just seeing – the very surface of what of his potential of what he can ultimately become. I mean, um, you know, you look at his body and and he's got another 20, 30 pounds that he could potentially carry on his frame, I believe. I mean, his, his legs are, are skinny. I think that he could add an awful lot of weight, uh, weight in his legs, especially once he gets in with, with uh, Duval for an entire year and, and gets to, gets to squatting. Um, I mean, he could become a very, very special football player, um, you know, and, and really you mentioned that how he just got on campus. I mean, how much of the playbook can he really honestly have mastered right now? Um, you know, he's still got to be well behind the curve of Greg Bell and of Zigbo and everybody else who was on campus for last spring. So um, I think he's only going to continue to get better. And and as he gets more and more experience, I think we, you'll see him bouncing it out to the outside less and less and, and kind of.
3: That's worked s- against Troy and yeah. Colorado. But when you start playing some of the the bigger ten- the bigger defenses in the conference that's not going to work
4: yeah and, and, and you know it reminds me of a guy like um, you know, a lot of big-time running backs, to be honest with you. A guy like Terrell Newby, I think, always did that when he first got here because in high school those guys had the speed to, to just bounce everything outside and to take it the distance, 80 yards, you know, or whatever. Um, and, and, and I think that, you, like you said, those, he'll, he'll eventually figure out that you can't necessarily get away with that uh, in Big Ten play.
3: All right, Nate, uh, let's get right down to business here. Nebraska picked up a commitment on Saturday from Chris Hickman um, making it a clean sweep on the end state and uh, five for five. There's five power five recruits in the state. Nebraska has gotten all five of them at this point, uh, shutting out Iowa, shutting out Wisconsin. And to me, that's the biggest statement. The statement to me is Kirk Ferentz, Wisconsin, and, and Paul Chris, this is not the past. You're not going to come in here and cherry pick a Noah Fant or cherry pick a Bryson Williams or you know even a Harrison Phillips and went to Stanford. Those days are done. Barrett Root's here. Scott Frost is here we are going to go to extreme lengths and efforts to make sure we don't have to read about a Noah fan in the Omaha World Herald ever again. We don't have to read about Bryson Williams at Wisconsin or all these other things that drive Husker fans up the wall.
4: Yeah, you know, that was the first thing that Scott Frost said when he got here is we have to make sure and, and keep the the great Nebraska high school football players home, and, and whether it's as a scholarship guy or even as a walk-on. But, you know, when you go out and you offer five guys in one class – um, and five highly recruited guys. I mean, they, they had other options. There were other teams that were that were after them very, very hard. Um, and and you go ahead and sweep those guys and and you lock down the borders I think it does send a message it sends a a strong message to some of those other schools that hey you know what this is not going to be easy Um, and and, you know I think that maybe some of those schools as the years go along you may see less and less of those coaches spending uh, as much time as they have been here in in Nebraska you look at the 2020 class and there's so many kids with with, you know kind of random offers that you don't typically see like the Purdue uh, offering Jay Ducker, those teams are going to kind of back Watts. off. I think those teams will eventually kind of back off. Um, you know, it, it, unless it's a, unless it's a guy that Nebraska has not offered, um, I don't I don't believe that we'll see you know as much attention. But it is big time to get Chris Hickman in this class, especially on that particular weekend, coming off of off of that game uh, that we all saw. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were down in the dumps uh, for that game. You, you had some uh, some recruits on campus, no official visitors, but you still had recruits on campus recruits paying attention to that. So I know fans always automatically, you know, ask or wonder, you know, what is what is that game going to do for recruiting? Well, then you go ahead and you, you lock up your your uh, fifth and final in-state kid that you really wanted. So uh, it puts Nebraska at 17 commitments, number 21 class in the country. And when I look at Hickman, he just reminds me so much of a Noah fan. Uh, to me, they're almost identical at this stage in their development. Coming, you know, in their senior years, they're, you know, size-wise, um, both 6'5", 6'6", and both were just barely over 200 pounds as seniors in high school. Um, and then we've all seen what what Noah went, went on to do at, at Iowa or is doing at Iowa, uh, could potentially, you know, play himself into being a very, very high, you know, first or second round draft pick. Uh, so, and I think Hickman has that same type of potential. He's he's athletically, he's, he's very similar, uh, size-wise very similar. And then um, you, you look at his hands and, and everything else that he's going to be able to bring to the table, this tight end position. Uh, I think that uh, his future is very bright at Nebraska.
3: You know, you mentioned in-state guys. 2020, after Xavier Betts, the wide receiver at Bellevue West, it seems fairly wide open who the next offer guy our guys could be. Uh, I don't know if there really is a slam. People assume it's Xavier Watts, but Josh Hemholt, our our colleague from Rivals.com, the Midwest analyst, reported that Watts has had very little um, interaction with Nebraska's staff at this point, and it might have to do with that top-end speed uh, he's shown um, who do you see maybe as the next guy um, in the in state that could come at for 2020 now?
4: Yeah, you know, I still think Watts is very much in the in the discussion. He has been uh, getting more uh, attention from Nebraska here recently. You know, September first uh, kind of represented the first day that the coaching staffs could really reach out to a lot of the 2020 prospects. And uh, Watts has told me that he's heard from Barrett Rude and, and he's been to uh, he's been to a couple games now. Uh, you know, he was at the the Akron game and, and I believe he was at the the Troy game. Uh, you know, but Iowa State uh, and and uh, you know Purdue. Minnesota. Those teams are recruiting him really, really hard. Nebraska has yet to offer. I think you look at Isaac Gifford. Uh, obviously, the, the the younger brother of Luke Gifford, there at Lincoln Southeast. I think that he's somebody who's definitely on the radar. He's been to all the games so far. Uh, this fall and, and uh, is uh, somebody that's getting a lot of attention from Nebraska. Uh, I don't know when uh, that offer will come or if it will come, but but he's definitely right there in the discussion. You know, Jay Ducker uh, at Bellevue West, the running back at, at Bell West, is is another one. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not necessarily um, sold on him kind of being a Nebraska guy. Miko I,
3: Masoner and Carney's another one. Yeah,
4: Miko Masoner is another one. Um, you know, I think that uh, if you're a skill guy in the state of Nebraska. You're gonna have to. You to, better be dang fast. Yeah, you better be fast, and, and I think that's that's something that you're gonna have to prove uh, to this coaching staff, and uh, and I think that's probably the the sole reason why Watts doesn't have an offer uh, is because he didn't necessarily test out all that well at the Friday Night Lights camp. But I, I tell you what, you you watch his film, he's a playmaker. He's he's got uh, like 22 receptions for 341 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, he's got an interception return uh, for 61 yards. I mean, he makes plays all over the place for that Burke team. Team. So uh, I think I still think that, that uh, there's a good chance that Watts ends up getting an offer.
3: Well, Nate, safe travels this weekend. You'll be out in Colorado and Arizona watching three different Husker recruits play uh, over the weekend. So we'll look forward to hearing all about that next week.
4: Yeah, looking forward to that. There should be a lot of great content coming from that.
3: All right, make sure you stick with Husker Online as we'll have full coverage as well from everything out in Ann Arbor, Michigan here over the weekend.